That's all one one beautiful question, Egg, which I will crack open and let the uh, the bird of of response fly forth. <laughs> you are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out Mopad. how to do life. for deciding to listen to my, I'm going to say wonderful podcast. We celebrated the 200th, uh, I should never say words that end with TH, 200th uh, episode uh, a few weeks ago. And it has, um, listen, I'm going to try and do this in a, a shorter than I've ever done before and just full of information and um, a lot less rambling because this is a very long episode. It, in theory, should have been a two-parter, but I've already given you two two-parters in a row, so I thought I would spare you for that. And instead, you're getting just one really long one. But if you ever feel like this podcast is hanging out with friends, this is going to be exactly that. It is... I am so, I'm so proud of this episode. And I have... It ended 10, like the conversation ended 10 minutes ago. So I'm recording this straight after so I can send it to Dave to, uh, to edit. And which is, I am so grateful for Dave, by the way. Um, okay. It's Trevor Dion Nicholas. And now when I asked you the last time, uh, what you wanted, like if you had any requests, <laughs> requests in terms of um, what you missed in the podcast, if there's anything I can do better, anything like that. you A few of you asked me if I could be better at introducing the guest, which absolutely, I think the reason why I have not been good at that in the past has been because I've, I'm so scared of saying something that is wrong or, you know, it's sometimes people don't have their biographies on their website, so I don't want to say they're in something that they were in 10 years ago, etc., etc., but... I definitely feel confident that I can do it with Trevor because he's a good friend of mine. Trevor is a musical theater actor. He's also the lead singer and songwriter in a band called Neighborhood Goliath. And that is neighborhood with a, just an O, not O-U, because he's American. And I, I saw him in Aladdin in the West End where he played Genie. And then he did the podcast for the first time and we became friends, which was amazing. I mean, I was just... Oh, Gams, I love him so much. He's perfect. And a few years later, we met again. And he, well, we've, we'd met in between, but we met on the podcast again, uh, which must have been a year ago when he had just been cast to be George Washington in Hamilton. And now he is uh, not that because the this is recorded during a pandemic. So West End is closed for now. So we we have a, we have a really... I really loved the chat we had. I'm going to let you listen to it instead of just babbling on about it way too much. But you, you'll be able to tell by the end that it's there's a reason why it just kept going on because we just couldn't stop talking. And it was he's so funny and he's so clever and warm and kind and fucking talented. Let's be honest. So I'm about to introduce you to my chat with Trevor. A few sort of um ad mini things. Well, one is an announcement. I am thank you so much for those of you who tuned into my first ever online show how to be happy fat which i did uh, a few days ago at the time of recording this 
on my website. And thank you, thank you, thank you. It was an incredible experience. I did not know that I would feel such a strong sense of community. Like I felt like we'd created something to the extent where I ended up making a Facebook group for people who had watched in order to keep the community going. And for those of you who are a member of the Made of Human podcast Facebook group, it's sort of the same vibe that I'm aiming for, just with a focus more on fatness. So I felt like it wasn't just going to be a one-off show. This was definitely something that I wanted to keep doing and I wanted to... to because I had so much more to say that I hadn't said in the live show that I meant to say I wanted to talk more about fat and gender and fat and sex, fat and dating, more about health stuff. And I had about 50 questions from people I hadn't even answered and it was so much fun. So I'm doing another one on July 23rd at 9pm UK time. Go to sophiehagen.com and it's going to be on the, it's on the front page of that and buy a ticket. And when the show... If you can't make 9 p.m. UK time, about an hour after the show is over, which it should be after an hour, maybe an hour and a half, if I run over again, uh, you after an hour after it has ended, the show will be available for you to tune in and see on that website for 24 hours. So if you're in a time difference situation, you have 24 hours to see it. Um so yeah, please go and buy a ticket. I am so excited about it. I'm so I'm already planning the next show. The first one was a bit of a tester uh, because I I di- didn't trust the technology. Also, my, my computer is my computer is dying, which I'll have fixed by the next one. And um, I hope so. So yeah, I'm rambling because I know it's already been long, but I, I just want to say all these things. So another quick one. PayPal, uh, quite a lot of you have asked about one-off donations. And I know I've been neglecting the one-offs. I'm sorry about that. Go to madeofhumanpodcast.com. There should be a button that says donate. If you're on your phone, just scroll down and there will be a box that says donate. And in there, you should have both the option of... Oh, am I wrong? Wait, I'm going to just double check that I'm not filling you with absolute bullshit i am not filling you with bullshit if you go to made of human also just made of human podcast.com forward slash donate there is a button that says donate via paypal and you can donate there and now i'm going to introduce a rule a thing opportunity where if you give the equivalent of five dollars per episode which is somewhere around, is it 20 pounds or so? Let's say it's... Yeah, it's around 20 20 pounds. So if you give a one-off donation that is 20 pounds or more, uh, in the thing where you you can write something, you can write something when you do the donation, in that thing, if you write your name and that you want it mentioned on the podcast, or... Any short thing you want mentioned, it doesn't have to be your actual name, it could be anything you want mentioned real quick that will take the same amount of time to say as your name and you give more than... Then you will have that set on the podcast once. So you could, in theory, donate £20 per month and have it set every month, but they're all one-offs. Okay, hope that makes sense. Um, And of course, don't click the thing that says paying for goods or services because it is not. Uh, I cannot send them a confirmation that you've received your service anyways 
So thank you for even asking. It is, uh, it means a lot to me. The last thing I want to say before I let you listen to me and Trevor have a lovely chat <clears throat> is that there's a tax thing happening on Patreon. If you are a Patreon, uh, a patron on patreon.com forward slash Mopar, go and check your messages. It I will have sent out what Patreon told me. It shouldn't be a thing. It, sh- it shouldn't, like, don't panic. It shouldn't be a huge panicky thing at all. It, sh- it should be a matter of maybe a few sent somewhere maybe a few pence and it might not even apply to you i'm not 1000 percent sure what it is but if anything was it's not going to go wrong and if you feel in any way that something has happened that is unfair or anything like that you can feel absolutely safe we will deal with it and figure it out but i have as far as i can see it's not a big thing but i understand that because it's an american company you might not feel as secure as you would if it was Whatever. What I'm trying to say is uh, check your messages or your emails if you haven't already and um, see what Patreon has to say about this. But that's the only thing there is. Everything should be fine. Uh, I'm now going to just let you listen to my conversation with the amazing Trevor Dion Nicholas. So that should be working. So... um, Let's just start. I miss your face. I miss your voice. It's good to hear your voice. I miss your face and I miss your voice. It's good to hear your voice. How are you? My voice as well. I mean, my yes, face, I understand, but my voice? Your voice as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Your voice is a comfort to me, like genuinely. Like uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a bliss and a sense of peace that comes when whenever we get to speak to each other. So like even when we send like voice notes back and forth, I'm like, oh, it's always good to hear from yeah. you. Like genuinely, genuinely, <laughs> like it's always good to hear from you. Like, mm. Oh, same. You're so well. I mean, I feel like your voice has better reviews than mine. <laughs> <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, listen. That's not necessarily true because your voice. Yes, your words are. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I say are, way more are, important things than you do. Your but. words tend to be more impactful, <laughs> but at the same thing, at the same time, your voice is part of that. So, like, um, think about it, because like, even if, even with like, with comedians who have like horrible sounding voices like you still get you still get it still becomes part of the not that i'm saying you have a horrible sounding voice but it becomes part of the the presentation the entire presentation so like when you look at like you look at like uh gilbert gottfried and you're like "Ooh, that voice is real real specific (laughs) or even michelle wolf and you're like that voice is real specific (laughs) but at the same time when i hear it um there's a there's an immediate sense of recognition Mm-hmm. And there's there's something you're able to immediately attach to it and a, a persona that comes with it as well. So I think you don't give your actual voice enough credit. I'll take it. That's perfect. I mean, I'll yeah, at this point, I'll take anything. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. Good. So where are we meeting you right now? I mean, this is your third Mopad. And in the oh, first yeah, one, yeah. you were Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, you were just about to become... Uh, I was supposed to call him Mr. Washington. <laughs> yeah, we can go with that. I was Mr. about to become George Washington. And um, Hamilton. And now and the world one, is now ending. Now I'm unemployed, like most of us are. So. Oh my God. <laughs> what is, what's happening? How are you feeling? What oh. is, we're on, well, I'm on day 105 of lockdown. I've purposely not paid attention to day counts because <laughs> it is, um, 
soul shattering when I, when I like, when I look at it that way, uh, I don't know. I'm up and down. Um, I've, uh, and we, we've, we've spoken some throughout and like, mm. but it's, it's, um, I don't know. Some days I'm all good. And some days I'm, I'm 100% not okay. And like, that's all part of it. Um, today's been a challenge of a day, but you know, each, each one brings its own, I kind of, I kind of have to treat it, uh, one day at a time as opposed to assuming, okay, well this week I'm going to be this productive. And like, even when I, I give myself a list of things to accomplish, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to get them all done or it doesn't necessarily mean I'll be in the mindset to get them all done. Um, definitely these last couple of weeks, my mental health has taken a, a big dip. And part of that has been, um, uh, with us now knowing that the majority of the West End won't be back until the beginning of 2021 and the financial implications of that, but also the emotional implications of that and the way that that, um, breaks down at, uh, this, this persona that we, that we all have of who we are. And so like that, that self, that self-proclaimed sense of, of self, um, and so having that breakdown is difficult as well. So this has been an exceptionally shitty week for mental health, which again is okay. Um, but uh, it's up and down. I don't know. I hate this shit. I want to go back to work. I want to like, I want to go back to work and I want to like eat somewhere in public. <laughs> It's not like on you... display, not like on display, not like everybody come, come watch the man devour, see how many burgers he could devour, which is a lot for the record. But uh, like, I just want to like eat somewhere or like, I don't know. Have someone miss... come up to you and say, oh, are you ready to order? That, that would be cool. I'd be cool with that. And I, I, I cool just, there's a little thing just up missing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's, it's, it's so simple, but honestly, it's like in, uh, in uh in up and i'm i can only quote this because i literally just watched it today um when russell is talking about his relationship with his dad and how it's not there anymore and he's like and he talks about them sitting on the curb and eating ice cream and counting cars and uh he's like it's the he's like honestly it's the the simple things he's like i know it's not exciting it sounds boring but it's the simple things that you that, that i miss the most and it's the simple stuff i miss the most like somebody being like hey do you know what you want to order and me not being ready yet or me being ready and the person you're there with not being ready and you're like why don't you know what you want to eat when i've known before we walked into the restaurant but yeah that that i, I that. started i started missing being in a in a moving vehicle <laughs> like just the feeling of sitting on a train yeah and you you look out the window and it's, things are moving yeah yeah motion just motion in general it's not yeah. via your legs yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair i don't get a lot of that so sometimes i do miss that as well <laughs> Well, still, 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 take still. a trip to the kitchen just for fun. But like, fuck these legs. I don't want to use these legs anymore. Like, legs. <laughs> let somebody else's legs get me somewhere for once. Like, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. But also, your your job was so. From everything I heard about it, it was so. <clears throat> I don't know if it's the right word to say. Not rigid. Is that the right word? Like unflexible. You know, In you had to, like West End, you had to be there at a certain time and it was every single oh, yeah. day and it was two shows on Thursday to Saturday. Yeah. And it was, you know, specific timings. It's very, I mean, you, you were always very busy. Yeah. It's all that, that, uh, I miss that sh- sense of structure as well. Yeah. Now at the same time, like 
as far as like creative thought and like being able to like work on something when I want to and like all of that's been great. So like anything creative I've uh, that I've had like the, the the gumption and the focus to execute that has all been um, nice because there's just free space. Um, so like that side of it's been cool, but uh, there's a, there's a lacking sense of satisfaction in the, in the structure and in performance. Cause I mean, like we, as, as people who perform like part of our, part of our whole entertainment industry from the aspect that you and I operate on is we stand up in front of somebody and we do a thing, um, a thing that used to get on our parents' nerves, but we do that now <laughs> and people pay us to do it. And so there's a bliss in that that is severely lacking. And I, I, uh, I miss that. I miss yeah. the feel of a large g- gathering of people. That thing that's now, that's now dangerous. Uh, such a taboo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I miss, I miss that. I miss the feeling of the response of that. I miss the, the, um, the reaction. I miss gauging that reaction and adjusting myself according to it. I miss that dance, the unspoken dance of live performance, the like the actual like feeling and hearing and seeing the audience and letting you react to them and them react to you. And that, that like, almost telekinetic uh, transfer of information between mm, an energy you and this, this large group of people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's so much energy in the adrenaline. I don't think I've been yes. properly please like that, that, you know, a bit scared, but also re- really excited. And how's it going to go? And that moment when you're done and it's yeah. just, you're still high off of it. And that victory lap, like, oh. God, just give me that. And like, yeah, I'll even take a bad show at this point. Exactly. Like (laughs) boomy, fucking boomy. Let me know. You thought I did a bad job at this point. I'll take it. I'll take it. So just like all these online performances are, uh, have been nice, but it's so weird. Like, it's so weird. It's so weird. So one way. Oh, like I'm doing whatever here. Like (laughs) I have no idea how anybody feels about it. Like I have no idea. It feels so, it feels so masturbatory. Like, (laughs) and like, like I get it. And like, it's been what we are, what we're doing right now is like this, but it feels so weird and so Mm. foreign and like. So did you find that? So you, back in the olden days when the world wasn't on fire, did you, it must have taken up a lot of space in your head, like working, uh, going to work, yeah. being on stage, all those things. Do you find that that space has now been occupied by something else? Yes, anxiety. Yeah? Yeah. Um, okay, can I then anxiety. ask? Can I, okay, so do you think that the work was keeping anxiety at bay or do you think the anxiety came because there's now a space? I, ooh. What about option C, which is uh, the anxiety is there because the thing that occupied that space was so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just in like a, this is important that I do this, but in like a a, a sense of Mm -hmm. self-importance that with that lacking, there's new anxiety that, that creeps its way in because like the old anxiety still 
comes up and pops up every once in a while anyway. Like, like, hey, it's your old friend uh, reminding you that everything you do is shit. Um, but at the same time, there's these new things that are seen so, so all-encompassing and so, so, um, so totalitarian in their presence and in, in, in thought. And that has been new <laughs> and uh and and difficult um like at the same time like i'm i'm okay i'm okay i'm okay um but like some days it just feels bad it just feels bad up top do you have ways of do you have you found have you found ways of dealing with it or do you know what to do when you feel like shit and was that something that you've were able to do from the beginning or have you learned something from the time passing? Um, that was 10 questions in one, but no, it's all, <laughs> it's ahead. all, it's all, it's all one, one beautiful question egg, which I will crack open and let the, uh, the bird of, of response fly forth. <laughs> Such a poet. Such a poet. <laughs> I really, I really went on a journey with that one. Um, <laughs> I, it varies, honestly. Um, some days I can, I have coping mechanisms. Some days I don't. Some days I feel stuck in it. Some days I feel like, okay, if I, um, oh, I've started doing something I never do, which is I'll go for like, oh, let me go for like a 90 minute walk because there's nothing else to do. Um, but that has helped. Um, the act of like, when I make a list, the act of actually getting things accomplished on it can help. Uh, very recently I've started shutting everything off and just putting on an album I really like and like treating it like I would when I was a kid where I would just, just actually sit and listen to music and not do anything else. Like not be on my laptop, not be looking at anything, not scrolling through Instagram or Twitter, like genuinely just let me just sit here and listen to this um, the way I used to. And that has been my most recent revelation of like, Oh, my brain likes this. My brain likes this. And there's a very like, there's a very uh, pull back to a younger version of myself that, uh, that I feel. Um, at the same time I found, cause I love video games anyway, but like I found certain games that are less actiony and more like, more like uh, cinematic have helped as well, where I feel like I'm interacting, but not completely playing something like, um, like I just played uh, uh, Detroit become human. Like the whole thing, first of all, I could tell you about that. That's a whole other story. But like the games, it's really good because the whole thing is like, it's a very cinematic telling of like these, these androids and this AI that becomes sentient. And it's, it's the whole thing is like, do they deserve um, to be treated as human? And like, not to mention that there's like all these protests and all this pushback and how that has all lined up with what's been happening in the real is it, world. This is a game. It's a game. It's a game. It's a game. Detroit becomes oh. incredible. It's incredible. Wow. Okay. Um, and it was fantastic. And so like I played that and I'd had it for a while and I just never played it. And it was a very therapeutic um, uh, line to, to, to follow for a bit. And like, it's like, okay, this takes me out of myself, but still in a sense of uh, interaction, but not complete interaction. Not like if I'm playing like something else where I'm like fully involved and like, that's a different, mindset um so and then some days <clears throat> honestly sometimes it's just uh i just kind of have to sit in it and let it feel bad for a bit and the act of when other things start to push to the forefront of thought as opposed to 
to uh, fear and anxiety and self-doubt being at the forefront. Um, that is soothing when you feel the, the recess of it, when you feel your, your, your present self start to uh, take, more, take more control. Um, mm. So it's, yeah, it's just kind of all the things and none of them at the same time. Mm. I, I, I think I was it a couple of days ago, I realized, oh, and I'm not saying I can do it yet, but I, I ha you know, the, the negative, not negative, the, the voice in your head that is the anxiety and the self-doubt and the, you know, the it always comes one. from some kind of trauma. And there's always yeah. like this, that voice, I, because my therapist has for ages tried to tell me that it's a separate part from me. But the way mm -hmm. she's described it has been, you know, it's like a tape recorder just playing these things. That So it isn't the truth. It's just something that's been playing. But the, I never connected with the idea of a tape recorder. But then I tried to see it instead of that. I tried to see it as a cloud. So now when it says something, I acknowledge it, but in a way where I take control away from it. So I go, okay, you think that? Interesting. Okay. I'll disregard it. And it just kind of passes me by. So it's oh, like, like, like a, like a, like a gross fart. Like it, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it, you, you're like, I see you, you smell terrible, but I'm going to let you just, yes, I acknowledge that you're there and, and, keep, and keep moving. Yeah. Like that. So when my brain this morning, I tried to do it because my brain was like, well, if you don't do laundry, you know, you're a horrible person and you can only do laundry today. And if not, I just don't know what's going to happen. And I try to say, okay, You have told me that I should do laundry today. Thank you so much for your input. Goodbye. And then oh, it felt I amazing. Like that. It felt incredible. I, I think it's That's... too hard to do. I, you know, it's not like, oh, now I'm, I'm fixed. But no, of course, being able to do that sometimes when you have the focus is, I think it's going to be life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm not saying like. No, absolutely. <laughs> but I think that can, I think that can help a lot of people. And that's something that. I've never thought about the idea of separating it from self so that it, it's because you, the, the initial reaction is always, Oh, this is me telling me these things. So I know what I know. It's like, it's, it's, it's like the, um, it's like if I hallucinate something and the hallucination gives me information, it's only, it can only give me information that I already know. And so that yeah. is that initial connection to it. You're like, well, this is coming from a place of truth, but to, separate that from self um makes sense and it makes sense as uh a way to let it carry less weight um yeah. I, i swear every time we talk every time we do this not every time we talk every time we do this um i learn something new that and uh, and, uh, and it's always another reminder that i should probably have consistent therapy and it just <laughs> like genuinely like because i think yeah. it's beneficial and it's something that that I I'll, I'll touch on and then, and then back away from, I'll dip my toe in the pool, but not go for a full swim. But every time we do, this is the third time now where I'm like, Oh, Oh, I should keep, I should just like keep, uh, keep in therapy for a bit and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, try and get to get to know my nooks and crannies a little better so I can manage them a little better. Not manage, manage is the wrong word. Uh, it's always I always say I always use fix it but all every therapist I've ever had are like you do not say fix because <laughs> it's the wrong way of thinking about it but I'm like yeah what else you know deal with it cope. learn to live with it cope. experience it cope. yeah yeah we know what we mean I mean I've yeah. uh, the 
I started out the lockdown by having, uh, but what's it, not bi-weekly, having therapy twice a week. Mm-hmm. And very soon we realized that that was just, that was way too much. Uh-uh. <laughs> it broke me. It absolutely <laughs> broke me. But also that was quite good because then I, you know, you realize how much it does help mm-hmm. on a weekly basis if twice a week is too much. But yeah, it's, I think that's, that's one of the things that for me has been a, a positive is having the space to do that without mm. constantly having to put barriers up, which I feel like I have to do whenever I go outside. Mm-hmm. It's always like a big guard and own, you know, push down all the feelings because things can get very scary. Yeah. Well, now I've been able to have prolonged periods of time where I didn't have to be scared. I mean, don't worry. There was still, I could still make things up, you know, do your laundry course, or everything course, will die. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, well, you know, you know how much I highly recommend therapy. Yes. And I always, I'm like, you're absolutely right. And then I, like I said, it's uh dip my toe in the pool, but never go for a swim. And I feel like I should swim some laps. I should put some laps in. Do you know what's keeping you from it? Um, I mean, there's always the, there's always the, uh, the initial, uh, very toxic projection on self of, well, you should be able to, you should be able to take this on as a, as an adult, as a, as a, and it's not, it's, it's false and it's bullshit and it's, and it's, uh, things that, I put in my own way um, as opposed to because here's the thing. And it's not that therapy is help. It's not that I'm like, Oh, I need help. I need therapy. It's not that that's what it is, but there is a part of my brain that attributes. <sighs> um, there's, there's definitely people who would hear this and have, have, have spent time with me in my life who will acknowledge this is 100% true. I don't accept help. Well, I don't ask for help. Well, um, it's different if it's like, oh, could you help me move this sofa? That's fine. But when it's like, ooh, these things are going on, I always feel like I have to um, take them on all by myself. Uh, and this has been a trying time of that. And it has uh, definitely helped illuminate to me that I cannot uh, manage everything alone. And oh, <laughs> sorry. Um uh, this isn't fair. We've been talking for like, uh, <laughs> we've been talking for like, what, like 15, 20 minutes. And like, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already getting uh, exceedingly emotional for 20 minutes into the conversation. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it's difficult for me to, to reach out and to accept that I can't do all the things by myself and that I, I, me reaching out for help is not, any less of my independence. It does not make me less of a human being. It doesn't make me less of, I'm making air quotes. I know it's an audio, uh, audio, uh, but I'm less of a man in any way. Um, and the, 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 the old school toxicity that's built into that mindset. And, uh, it's just, it's tough for me to be like, yeah, you know what? This is something that can, uh, help me deal better. Um, because part of me always wants to think you don't need anything to deal better. You're fine. Um, when, if anything, the last three and a half, almost four months now have shown me, 
I am not fine all the time as nobody has to be, as nobody has to be, um, uh, self-included. How do you feel when other people ask for help? Oh, I'm happy to like, it's like, Oh yeah. If it's people that, that I care about, it's like, yeah, I'm happy to. If it's people I don't care about, a polite decline is fine. But like, <laughs> if it's someone I care about, like I want to, it feels, it feels, it feels like a form of affection that, they would come to me for help that they would come to me for aid um or even just advice or to like run ideas by or to talk through something that feels difficult or feels shitty um so yeah with that in mind i feel like most people who care will have that same response how dare you wave that in my face like that but <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that makes sense. But it's 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 difficult. It's difficult. It comes from, like I know where it comes from. I know where it comes from. I know where it comes from. It comes from the the like most of the shit that comes that we that we take on as adults is based on the examples uh, that we mimic in our parents. All the shit that we're like, oh, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to be that. And then you see it. Um, I've seen more and more of of Bobby Nicholas of my dad. Uh, through this lockdown because I've been here with myself and it's been so easy to reflect and be like, Oh, Oh, I know what that behavior is. Or, Oh, I know what that is. And see it like literally see this, uh, almost, almost, uh, projected version of my father, like sitting in the seat I'm sitting in. And like, it sounds like I'm high right now. I'm not, <laughs> but like to see that, like, to genuinely see that and be like, oh, I know what that is. I know where this comes from. And because there's so much less to focus on right now, um, that has been alarming and comforting and also not disappointing, but like there's, there's also a dip in the positivity of it where I'm like, because as we all do, we look at our parents from one angle and we're like, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that. I see that. I love, I either love or don't love what this person is and what they represent, but I'm, I'm not going to be that either way. I'm going to be my own person. And then you see it, you see it, you get to a certain point and you can look back, especially when there's less distraction and you can be like, Oh fuck. I, uh, I followed all these these uh these things i didn't know i was following I, I took all these steps i didn't know were steps i thought i was just walking um but there were footprints already there before i put my foot down and uh that that and my my father's inability to uh ask for help and his positioning of always needing to be uh the head of the house and the 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 control control the the burn and uh also my mother as well in a different way she's the, but she's she's more likely to be like oh this is happening i need to reach out but she's this strong sh the strongest willed individual and it's like I, I see images of that and i see it's it's this inevitability of of uh the echo the echo of our parents coming coming through us and that's so all that, basically, you know, in a nutshell. There's also, I don't know about your parents and how they grew up, but I remember in the very beginning of lockdown when we didn't know if 
how to get food and we all we heard we heard that food was you know should you just start buying everything and have it and I suddenly had this very strong connection with my mother's constant fear of running out of things mm. because we were so poor that she would eventually not be able to afford food at the end of the month mm-hmm. and I'd never felt that as an adult and then I and you know when you're a child and your mother goes no you can't have that you're just like Ugh. Yeah. A mom. Yeah. And I suddenly understood that that was oh an actual thing. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't her trying to punish me. That was her actually not being able to get the food. And and I think when you come from uh, families that to whatever extent have been survivors mm-hmm. in a way, you know, like even even what wasn't logic or rational for my mother would have stemmed from my grandmother. Yeah. And then we are back to a time of where there was war and before that and before that. So that's, I think stuff like that also gets passed down. And I feel like, you know, it was only like a few weeks where I was afraid of not being able to find food, but it did bring me into a bigger understanding of, of oh, okay, this is what it's like to, uh, a bigger understanding of why my mother was the way she was. Yeah. Even though it's such a small thing, it's like, oh my God, for a week I couldn't get flour, but like still it was a bigger understanding of, Oh, it was quite tough. Like it was, it, my mom had a tougher life than me. My grandmother had a tougher life than my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, hopefully it's something that would yeah, pass you, on. The, and, the ideal is that it improves, but yeah, exactly. And we find just, ourselves in similar situation. And it's not that it's comparable. It's not that it's comparable. It's not mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, well, look at my struggle next to my parents, but it is, each struggle is individualized. But at the same time, you see how it mirrors pieces from from our own past and our own history familial wise um i'm going to talk about something that i have not because you've in the vein of what you've what you've said um i haven't talked i don't talk about this with on anything on with anyone um as you know um but because it's you and it's so pertinent as to what's been going on um as you know i have i have two children and i won't say their names. I won't give any more information than that. But that struggle of like, <laughs> you can't have this right now because I don't know that we're always going to be able to, to obtain it. And watching a brand new teenager like be like, why? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, I see. I, oh, see, yeah, what I, yeah. I see what I've done. <laughs> Because I grew up, I mean, I grew up very comfortable. I grew up very comfortable. And when we struggled, my parents didn't let me know that we were struggling. Um, Which is one of the things that I've chosen with my children to be like honest with them in struggle and be like, hey, this is difficult right now. This is what's going on so that you understand. Um, And it's, and it's, um, it's kept a good, honest relationship with them. Um, But like, I look at how my parents came up and they, like they both grew up in, in, in poverty and they grew up during segregation. Um, so it's like my dad grew up in extreme poverty, like, like with multiple siblings, like the depths of, of American black American poverty and segregation. So like when I say um, they are survivors, that is in, 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 in its core true. Um, so there is a learned sense of survival instinct from that because yes, coming up, 
uh, it's almost like our us having less of a struggle than our parents did and them having less of a struggle than their parents did. I mean, cause if you go, if you follow my, my, my dad's, uh, my dad's line back, especially cause he's from just outside of Pittsburgh. My mom's from Bermuda, but my dad from just outside of Pittsburgh, like you don't have to go that far back before you hit slavery, before you hit American slavery. It's like, oh, okay. Like my dad's 72. Um, so you don't have to go that far back before you, you land smack in the middle of slavery. And it's like, okay, so there is a history of survival, but it's almost like because we've had less of a struggle than our, the generation before us and the generation before them, um, when we do struggle, it takes us longer to, to learn to switch into survival mode. Even though no matter what our parents told us, no matter what, what we learned directly or indirectly from those experiences, it takes a minute, it takes a minute for us to clue into it because we haven't really known struggle. Our struggle has been like, oh, I wanted this thing and I have to wait or I can't have this thing. Like that's been the majority of our struggle. Um, But when you start looking at, hey, are we going to be able to eat? Hey, am I going to be able to keep my home? Hey, am I going to be able to keep the lights on? Hey, um, what can I do? to stop the the slow bleed out that this lockdown has brought um, emotionally and financially. Like how can I, how do I plug the holes in the dam? Like um, I said, I said to my mother the other day, I said, honestly, it's felt like uh, I've been running around trying to plug all these different holes and it feels like I'm unable to, but cause like each time I plug one, like another hole pops up and I was like, it feels like, I feel like it's not time to keep plugging the dam. It's time to uh, pick up the town, pick up the town and move and let the dam break, but get out of the, get out of the fucking way. Like, I don't know. <sighs> A lot of it's also general ins- What's it called? Intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. Where it's, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to sound like a scientist right now, but yes, it's you essentially. Are. <laughs> I'm going to sound real clever. Let me know if you can keep up with this. Mm-hmm. Where trauma is passed, there's some studies. Some clever people have found out that trauma is passed down through DNA as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's DNA or something else, but you know what I mean. So whatever the our. Uh, great grandparents lived through is still in us to an extent. Yeah. So there's both that, there's like the DNA thing. There's the, um, the, the, the more like physical stuff of, you know, they were hungry. So now they lived like this, but there's also the psychological thing of the, like my mother was very much a, do never ask for help. You do not ask for help. And her whole thing was (laughs) because people will leave so people will leave and then you can't get them to help you. So if you have to ask someone to change your light bulb, then one day that person's not going to be there. What are you going to do then? It'll just be dark. So you better f- learn to change your light bulb. And oh, from damn. her point of view, that came from a, you know, I have, to, you know, she had to be an adult by the age of what, like <laughs> she never got to be a child. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that, and then you understand that why I'm, you know, Oh no, I can just, I can actually just call someone. I have that comfortableness of calling someone and asking for help with this light bulb, but I'm still gonna. But you carry that over. 
Oh yeah, you, I still yeah, have that. Like I've shouted at people in IKEA for because they tried to help me with a thing that I definitely couldn't carry. And all fairness, IKEA is that, very like... stressful. IKEA can be very <laughs> stressful. So I understand your <laughs> IKEA shouting. Like I think we can forgive you for that. Like when a nice a nice man is like, oh, do you need a hand? And no, I don't need a man. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe maybe calm down a bit. <laughs> it's it's a it's a reminder that we are all capable of our independence but at the same time it's okay to not always have to take it in that sense um the inter the intergenerational trauma thing is fascinating because it makes it makes a lot of sense um especially if you look at if you look at animals in the wild and the way that they are born with a certain knowledge um they just know they just know um you have you have and that's not just like, I mean, like a giraffe drops out from a very tall vagina and like is, is then <laughs> up and walking. And like, I mean, that's a, first yeah. of all, that's a long fall. But yeah. also, like they just know, they just know what to do. Um, if you look at, okay, okay, let's talk trauma. Okay, inter, intergenerational trauma. If you look at the intergenerational trauma of black people, and there tends to be an innate, an innate fear of, and it's gotten, it's gotten less and less with generations, but an innate fear of dogs. And that stems back to the use of dogs uh, to control slaves and then the use of dogs by police to control uh, black people during segregation. And you have this innate trauma where a lot of, uh, of, of, blacks will will feel this this anxiety around dogs still and that's part of what's been passed through our dna not just what we've learned yes it comes in through the things that we hear and the things that, that are spoken in the home but it's 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 part of our dna as well it's this natural like oh and and so we've learned with a modern mind to to adjust that adjust that fear but there's stuff that's built into us that we've we've seen and we we continue to see that like allows us to pass on this intergeneration intergenerational trauma trauma's a bitch like, yeah and i can't help but think of if that if if that which is such a sort of tangible thing like fear of dogs mm -hmm. if that is passed through in generational trauma like i'm not afraid of dogs i love dogs i love oh dogs. yeah no i totally know what you mean but, but I, like, I also had there was um you know the the stereotype around mm -hmm. black people not being able to swim but that mm -hmm. i believe that also stems from yeah, yeah. to make sure that uh the enslaved we couldn't go anywhere escape yeah exactly yeah. yeah so we couldn't go anywhere and there's loads of examples of that and if something that tangible is passed down it is only logical to like assume that racism is also passed down through white people right i mean like that, that will also you well. know if if you're scared of dogs why would that fear of something not also have been passed down or mm -hmm. hate or any other emotion yeah. right yeah so it'd be ridiculous to assume that that had just disappeared and what what it does is it is it morphs and it adjusts and like that's what we see and we see people now today we see a generation today who don't see themselves as racist because it's not the blatant racism of their, their parents and their grandparents, but the behaviors 
And the inability of acknowledging privilege is also, again, not that their privilege makes you a bad person, but the inability to acknowledge it makes you a dangerous one. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, it's a different face of the same, of the same issue. Um, and we get further away from, I mean, we get, as we get generations and further away from slave ships, uh, the effects are still there. Um, the effects of not being able to, the effects, okay, if you look in schools and you look at um, uh, literacy places where it seems, it seems uh, black communities are having trouble keeping up with predominantly white communities. But you look, if, if you trace it backwards and you're like, okay, where are these literacy issues coming from? We're speaking again about intergenerational trauma and you have slaves who were not allowed to learn to read because by being allowed to learn to read, you're able to carry more knowledge, which makes you more of a danger of escape and of communicating escape to other slaves. And it's about control. And so like, okay, then all of a sudden, oh, it makes sense because it's not that long ago. That's still today. Like as much as, as many years as it seems like it's, these are our, our great grandparents and, and like, it's, it's not that long ago. So all of that carries over, all of it carries over at the same way that, uh, uh, systemic racism and, 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 uh, the idea of white supremacy and the idea of maintaining, um, maintaining that position of, of, of whites in power, uh, doesn't not, not that it's necessarily, yes, of course you do have cases where there's blatant hand down of like, someone telling a child, this is what you should believe. This is what you should think about this person who looks different than you. But there are things that will naturally uh, degrade in their presentation, but are stemming from the same idea. Um, This whole conversation now about the police department. And like, then when you go back, if you go back and look at the history of it, this is why these people were put in this position. And then it's like, okay, of course, of course, of course, we should have readdressed this years ago. But now there's this pushback for human rights, which is a whole other conversation, um, because equal rights for people of different races and people of color are human rights, are human rights as human beings. Um, so why should it even be a question? But I digress. Um, it all stems from this history of, it's a history of, of trauma. It's a history of violence. It's a history of hate. And the way that that permeates into today's DNA, and it looks different, and it feels a little different, but when you really look at it, it's got the same roots. It's the, the tree has the same roots. The branches are different, but it's all coming down from that same place in the earth. That's a, that's a really good podcast um, from the guy who did Behind the Bastards called, I think it's called Behind the Police, and it has a full history of where it started. and. Mm. You know, it's 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 really good. It's a very good thing for white people to to listen to and learn. Be like, oh, okay, mm. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> How does it um does it affect uh, the way you think about the job you're returning to? Yes. Everything affects the way I think about the job I'm returning to, especially everything as of late. Yeah. Yeah. How so? Um, the entertainment industry is, uh, 
is is uh, has a long history of racism and sexism, and we've seen that for a long time and experienced that in many different ways. Mm. Um, and I will say, I am the most hopeful right now that I've ever been that we may actually see change. I was just reading last night about all of the uh, voiceover actors who are stepping down from positions oh, yeah. where they voice characters of color. Um, Jenny Slate from uh, Big Mouth. Uh, oh, what's his name? Who does the voice of Cleveland on Family Guy that he's done for 20 years. And he's... Yes, I know who you mean. Just um, the name. Hank Azaria was already leaving The Simpsons before all of this happened. With, with There was a justified public outcry for like, hey, mm. just, because, just because this has been occurring doesn't mean it's okay. Mm-hmm. And the public knowledge of it people act like oh well you're offended now it's like well no people have always been offended but now people are sharing that offense it's not new it's not new um so it's uh there is hope and i my my real my real like fingers crossed uh, uh uh ambition is that it continues and that we keep pushing and that we see uh, more people of color, more blacks, more women in higher positions uh, creatively, um, in higher positions uh, bureaucratically as well, and in just in these spots to where the minds that are not just the people performing the stories, but the people actually contributing and controlling the action aren't just powerful white men which is what it has been. Um, and, and it's, uh, oh my, I just saw yesterday, we both, we're both friends with uh, London Hughes and like she yeah. posted the article that she did where she said uh, uh, in America, it's still, it's still racist, but the glass ceiling is higher. And I was yeah. like, that is the best, <laughs> the most, like the epitome of the experience is it's like, we're allowed to excel to a point. We're allowed to excel to a point as people of color, as blacks, as women, as minorities in a whole. Um, we're allowed to excel to a point, but not to a point of where, where someone above you feels threatened by you being there. Um, and again, not that it's always blatant racism. They may not yeah. recognize what it is. They just know, ooh, I feel uncomfortable with this. I feel uncomfortable with the situation because that's what... Uh, it's different from what they're accustomed to. Yeah, and uh, people are so good at closing their eyes. I say they, we are so good at closing our eyes to our own, you know, we can so easily excuse it to ourselves. Like, oh no, it has nothing to do with that. It's actually because, no, yeah. it's not. You know, it's people saying, uh, oh, I no, no, I just chose the best person for the job. Like, mm. Mm, did you? You, 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 have to, you have to always assume that the things you do come with some bias because otherwise you have no way of actually knowing if you are acting in a harmful way. Yeah. It's not, it's not a mustache twirling villain um, that most of us assume. And it's, it's hard to remember that sometimes that even people making the shittiest decisions and harming the most people, uh, the majority of them, believe they're doing something that's right and something that's good. The majority of them believe that just like, just like you do, just like I do, just like your experience, the experience that we have as human beings, that, that there's a word for it 
there's a there's a and I don't remember what it is like the the idea of like everybody's own experience being unique in their own and like despite the fact that there's so many and like our perspective is different the perspective we have of ourselves is different to the perspective we have of the world um but everybody's experiencing that at the same time and the same way that sometimes you'll do something and you'll be like ooh I shouldn't have done that um we all do because we're all human beings and we're all fairly shitty people most of the time uh but at the same time you don't project that much onto yourself all the time you project it as you're because we are we're trying to do the things that we think are best for us uh sometimes best for the people around us sometimes best for the wider the wider people um the wider existence of human beings but that does not mean that we're not capable and doing harm in those in those decisions that we make in those actions that we take um that's like a that's i I pull back to it again it's it's uh and and it's when we're sitting in a place of privilege having it doesn't make you a bad person but when you're unable to see it and you're unable to acknowledge it it's dangerous for the other people around you for the other people that don't have it it's dangerous for them like I'm in, I'm in a position of privilege in the entertainment industry um, because when things restart, I'm not, I'm not coming, I'm not coming in cold. I'm not coming in ice cold to try and uh, get the gears moving on my career again. So I can acknowledge my place of privilege in that. And as much as I've been panicky and a nervous wreck and worried about money and worried about my career and worried about all the things that everybody's worried about because nobody's working, um, I, can, I can also step back and say, but you know what? I'm probably going to be able to pull out of this nosedive um, because of my position in the industry, because of my position and the the pedigree of what I've done, I'm able to say, hey, look at these things, put me to work, and then I can get back to it. I can get back on stage where some people will have more struggle um, pulling back in because you're going to have a whole mass of people who've all been out of work and not everybody's shows are going to make it back. Not everybody's gigs are going to hold. Venues and... Exactly. Exactly. You're going to have less. The market will have changed when we come back to this, whenever we come back to this, in whatever form, the market will have changed. And not everybody will hold that place of privilege. I'm in Hamilton. That show will return. That's not a concern. Like where Mm. there's other shows that have far more concern about whether they'll actually be able to make it back. And And all the the indie venues and all of the startups and how? How, yeah. how can they, how can they hold on? How can they hold on? Do so. you, in terms of Hamilton, is, do you notice if the audience, I assume with most West End stuff or in most theater stuff, because it's so pricey and expensive and uh, elitist in many ways, Mm-hmm. You're gigging to a predominantly white audience. Yeah, of course. Does of course. have your relationship with that? Do you think changed in your head um, after everything that's happened? I'm gonna sneeze. Hold. Okay. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. I may have one more. Okay, that's fine. 
No, I think we're good. Anything to stall. Um, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my relationship with that hasn't changed because that's something I've always been able to acknowledge that the story that we're telling um, is not told to the people who would benefit from seeing it the most. I've always known that. I've always acknowledged that. And that's always been a difficulty for me because I'm like, hey, our ticket price is real high. The show's real successful. Um, so the people that are watching it uh, aren't the majority of the people who are watching it don't tend to be the people who would benefit from it the most. And yes, there's lottery and yes, there's standing tickets that they, that they'll do on the day. But um, we actually, I can't be specific about this because it's, Mm. uh, but we have had some talks as a company with producers and management about uh, trying to do more to get more of the, underprivileged community to see the show. A big part of this Disney plus thing is also that the fact that Hamilton, the original Broadway cast company will be streamed um, allows more people to see it. Mm, Yes. There's the business side of it as well. Yes. There's the publicity side of it as well. All of those things benefit the company, but genuinely what I take from it is this allows people who may not have been able to afford a ticket or who may not have access to it in a city where they can go to, um, it allows them to see a story that is still important, despite the fact that it's about a bunch of old dead dudes. Like, and so I, 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 I am uh, leaning on the side of hope that the things we've begun to talk about as as a as a company, we will be able to roll out moving forward to get more butts in the seats that need to be there, not that just who can afford to be there. Um, Because theater as a art form uh, should be for everyone, not just the elite. And I I acknowledge. Yeah. I was about to say that, but I also don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I would be wrong to assume that that's not a conversation that all West End productions or all musicals, all theater shows have. But I would if, assume it's not a conversation they all have, but yeah, I would encourage them to have. That's what I'm thinking. It, it would be it would be such a you know, classic situation of of course Hamilton would be the company that would say that. Do you know? In Listen. the same way as you know, it's a it's a far it's a far out sort of comparison, but it's the same whenever there's a, a new wave of Me Too and you know, speaking out about sexual abuse and stuff. It's so rare you hear something from the men. You know, it's it's a yeah. lot of extremely brave women and people coming out. Absolutely. Extremely and then it's just brave. silence from the people. Well, who- you know, there's a massive uh, there's a massive push in the professional wrestling community right now. Where yeah, there's been, yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of exposure. Ooh, and yeah. And it's what's crazy is some people's reactions to it, some men's reaction to it has been like fans. And I'm a massive wrestling fan. Um, some men's reaction to it has been uh, positive. They think they're coming from a place of positivity, but yeah. let me break down where the negativity <laughs> is in that. Um, where they're like, oh, I'm finding it difficult to even watch wrestling right now. Um, and then there, there's almost this nostalgic throwback to 
wrestling in the the 90s and in the 80s and i'm like no it would have been worse then but less people would have been able or 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 in a position where they would have been believed if they spoke out like look at bill fucking cosby none of this was new information mm-hmm. the global mindset was different so something was done but these victims have lived with that for the majority of their adult lives. And what was done was Hannibal Buress. So it wasn't really till yes. it wasn't when all the women told their stories. It was when a man was like, oh, have you noticed the women have been saying this for whatever, 30 years? Yeah. The people started in, in, a, in a bit, in a, in a well-written bit, but oh, in a yes. bit. Yeah. And that was enough that people were like, oh, oh, it's like, yeah, this isn't new information. The fucking surviving R. Kelly documentary. None of that was new information. None of it was new. Yeah. I've spoken to a very cute uh, male comedian because there's a, there's a little uh, uprising within the... And like there's a new wave of Me Too and stand-up as well, at least in the UK. Oh, no, in America as well because um, Chris Delia. Delia? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, uh, Chris Delia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delia, yeah. yeah he was outed. Uh, so there's been as the character that he played on <laughs> on two the, two different two, shows. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I was like, oh, oh, we're we're playing real close to the bone. Okay, I see. I see. It I takes see. a certain person to be like, yeah, I'll play this thing that I am. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wow. But uh, so there's this 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 British comedian, uh, male comedian, who just realized that this is happening, and he was in my messages being so sad and so <laughs> enraged and we must do something and why aren't people talking about it? And I'm going to send an email. And I was like, this is all very brilliant and amazing. And then he was like, Oh, thank God it's going to be fixed now. Now that we all know. And I was like, Oh mate. Oh Mm. mate. I'm so sorry to have to be the one to tell you this, but um, But, uh, everyone knew this all along. mm -hmm. (laughs) This is not the first time that this is not the first time this has happened. He's like, well, but everyone's coming out now. I was like, no, no, no new names have been mentioned. Mm -mm. That haven't been out for about five years. No, this so, isn't uh, new. It's not new. And I'll say, I'll say here again. I I posted something on Instagram, but not that that leaves anyone. Uh, oh, I've posted something now. Let me uh, ride on my high horse off into the sunset. Um, but I'll say it here again. Uh, anyone, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm friends with an abuser of yours, let me know. Because that will change. Mm. Um, because I, I 100%, 100% will always believe the accuser until, and not that I'm saying guilty until proven innocent, but in this case, that more than likely, yeah. more than likely, nobody's just making this shit up to make themselves feel better. <laughs> nobody's getting a profile boost over calling mm-hmm. out the trauma and abuse that they've experienced in their lifetime. And there are, there's more, there's so many more, there's so many more actors, there's so many more comedians, there's musicians, there's producers. It's all over the place. And it's, again, people taking a position of privilege and taking advantage with it. And I'm also not saying all these people think that they're doing a bad thing. Calling back to what we were saying earlier, like people believe, oh, just this one time I can justify it. Just this, just this one situation I can justify it. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. And I believe we have to talk about it. Mm 
we have to call it out and we have to continue the conversation. And we also have to, uh, we also have to find a way so that it's easier for the next generation to speak up when they need to. Yeah. That my, my hope is, I, my hope is that there's a lot of people who are very, very, very scared mm-hmm. because they know that there are people out there with stories. Yeah. And I hope they're just, I hope every time they check their social media, they're afraid that their name has now been mentioned and that this story is going to come out about them. And I hope that, that the next time someone is in the situation where they, that they won't do what they were about to, what they were going to do usually because they're afraid of consequences happening. Like that, that's, I feel like that's the biggest, the most, what's the word? Realistic hope. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, and I think I might be giving a lot of abusers way too much credit <laughs> that they would, you know, because the the ego of them and how much they're willing to yeah. risk, right? Like, there's a recent story in stand up of a there's a comedian who started speaking out against Me Too, you know, just all the usual crap you'd accept uh, expect to hear from them, and because he did that, one of his victims stepped out and was like, "Okay, hang on, remember when you wow. did this." I was like, imagine having so much confidence that you can put like yeah. put yourself yeah. out and call it out as bullshit when you have done it yourself. I mean, so yeah. I'm I, I'm not uh as human beings, there's very few of us, and most of them are very young, who are completely innocent in our standpoints. So if nothing else, from that perspective, um listen to these victims, give them support investigate absolutely but nobody's response nobody's response should be to put these people who are brave enough to say something in a position to try and push them back into fear that should be no one's response that's despicable mm. and when you do that there's a hundred victims watching knowing mm-hmm. that oh, okay i'm not now not going to say anything because the whole thing is the next time it should be easier for somebody to say something and the next time it should be easier for somebody to say something after that because of the response from the previous yeah. ones. And, and sooner and sooner. Because there's so many stories coming out that happened years and years and sometimes yeah. decades ago. Don't, and yeah. then you it's too late feel to, like you press have to hold charges. On to it. And, yes. Yeah. The best thing is, oh, this literally just happened. Let's do something right now. You know, mm-hmm. um, because of the way the system's built up. I want to, before I let you go, <laughs> back in. Never I don't let want me go. to. I don't Never want let to let you go. go. I really don't want to. Uh, but I have some... Uh, marinated beef in the fridge uh, is that um, a euphemism <laughs> <laughs> just having some uh, marinated beef in the fridge Ooh, it sounds <laughs> delicious <laughs> i'm using that from now on you should. Uh, i want to talk too. about <laughs> i want to talk about your music oh yeah and what i i don't understand any of the lingo is it an lp an ep an so an ep, EP. an extended okay. play which is oh, shorter. Oh, is that what it means? So like a longer than a single, than shorter than yeah, an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yes, it. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. yes it's yes. beautiful. Because an LP is technically an album, and then a single would be like just one song, but then you can have a single with a B-side, which is the old school, where like oh, you yeah. used to like actually flip it over, and on the other side, you had another song. Oh, I remember but, those. Um, I did too, because I loved cassettes. Because <laughs> so, um, we're both 60 years old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had the realization last night, I was sitting there, and I was like, Hey, 
I am close to 40. I'm closer. Like I've had that realization where I've been like, I'm closer to 40 than I am to 30. And I've been saying I'm in my late thirties. Other people are like, no, you're, you're in your mid thirties. I'm like, I'm 37. I'll be 38 this year. I feel like I'm just like close to 40, but I also forget how old I am or I'll be like post 35. I've had no idea unless I check what age I am. Once I hit 40, I'll know again. I'll know for through that whole year, that whole year of 40, I'll be like, I'm 40. And then from 41 until 45, I won't know again. Then when I hit 45, I'll be like, I'm 45. Because there's no point in keeping track anymore. No, we'll, we'll do a recount every five years. <laughs> I like that. I like that plan. I like that plan. I like that plan a lot. But yes, we're old. We're old. And so old. we uh, remember cassettes. Uh, and we remember CDs as well. But cassettes were like... Oh, you I could just it. play, you could just record on your actual recording device. Yeah. yeah. I had amazing. the double, I had the double decker, the double deck uh, cassette player. Oh, so, I just like had two box. that I, I had two that I placed in front of each other. So I could play one onto the ah, other tape and then I could, because yes. then I could do like a voiceover. Mm-hmm. So I, I, like I recorded a, um, a sad song because my teacher was quitting. <laughs> so I recorded this like, so sad sweet. song and then I did voiceover. <laughs> so it would be like, Duh. and I'd be like, oh, Lisa. <laughs> You were such a great well teacher. Well done. Well done. <laughs> that was the creepiest thing. No, but you were like, you were so far ahead of like, uh, of, of any type of, any type of modern technology. You were like, I got yeah, this. I, I was an need, eight, eight year old audio editor. Because <laughs> at that point it would have been like real to real recording to make oh, yeah. that, to make that happen. And you were like, I got this. I got, I got this. <laughs> I had... At one point, I had the the Home Alone branded Talkboy, where like it was like, mm, like the, that yeah. uh, from Home Alone Two, that Macaulay Culkin yeah. used through the movie, and so like because they sold those that Christmas, and like I had one. They had a gray one and a pink one, because of course gender roles in the eighties or nineties at that point. Um, so like I had the I had the gray one, and like so I would like record all kinds of like little whole shows that I would make. And Amazing. like I would then switch to my my tape decks because I had the side by side, so I could like record a song from one thing into it, and then switch <laughs> back over. So like I would make like full productions, and so like oh, oh, we both did that. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should do one now. That's kind of what we're doing it's now. It's all about more technology. Yeah, I wouldn't even know how to put a, a song into this. <laughs> I could show you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but your EP, mm-hmm. you released it. Was it? Almost, it was while I was painting. So it must have been in the sort of beginning of lockdown. That's how I think about things. I released it on May 15th, which was yeah, okay, my, so I was completely my, niece, wrong. my niece Alexa's birthday oh. on May 15th. And just before my dad's birthday, who which was May 17th. Okay. That's a, that's a way better way of trying to track time than <laughs> when I painted my room. <laughs> But I try to, honestly, whenever I release something, I try to release it on a date that's like important to me or important in some way. Or like, I love, every time there's a Friday the 13th, I try to do something just because I love the movies and I love the the concept of superstition around, around the day, which I don't believe in, but, but I love the, the idea of it. So like, I try to release something on Friday the 13th or like, I try to find dates that mean something because then one it uh, makes it easier to remember. And two, it always makes like a, it, feel, it just gives, for me, it gives a special feel around whatever, whatever I'm working on. So, yeah. Tell me about your EP and stop not answering. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I conceptualized it, wrote a bunch of stuff, 
recorded a bunch of stuff here at home in my studio uh, over six weeks. Took a couple songs that we had started to work on and never finished. And I was like, you we know what? Being... Uh, the band, Neighborhood Goliath. So like yes. we had started to work on earlier in the year and never finished. Um, and I was like, I'm going to finish this stuff. Uh, took a song that we had finished and released, Dark Stars. Went back to the core recording, stripped it back, and basically created an update remix of it that was... But everything was based around the mindset of where I was at during that, the beginning of the lockdown. And so it was very much like, uh, my self-destructive side with my self-reflective side and kind of the marrying of those two paths of thought. And so it's a lot of, uh, (laughs) honestly, it's, it's, uh, grotesquely, grotesquely honest. And, um, which had me very nervous. Uh, and I said, oh, that's right, because I sent it to you before before I released it to listen to it. I was trying to and, think of the name of the, of the song that was my favorite one. I, no, was it the, that was, I think it was the first one, the first track. Mess? The, mess, yes, Mess. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's amazing. I love it. The whole thing is, uh, it's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrifying that I put it out, but I was just like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make it. And I'm just going to put it out. And I told the rest of the band, I was like, I'm not really uh, branching out for input on this, not to negate anyone's contributions in any way. But I was like, this is where I'm at. And i I feel like I have to just direct line of thought Um and just release it for me, for me, for me. Um, but these, the songs are very honest. Um, it's a lot of regret. It's a lot of conversations with myself uh, about my mental health, about uh, past wrongdoings, about things I felt I could have handled differently, um, and about mistakes that I haven't even made yet. And so it's it's very much that. Like the whole thing is that. Um, and I love it. I love it because it feels like this very open, open, uh, open brain surgery in like an old school, uh, surgical theater. Like it feels like that in a way. Um, but I also love it musically because I tried to just do whatever. And like, like as, as with neighborhood Goliath as a band, I've always tried to like bounce around between genres and play with what, alternative Indian soul meme like like okay let me stretch those in any direction because it's it's a broad enough uh label uh that I can get away with stuff but I was like what if I just go outside of it and um and just play with these sounds and these ideas in my head and not filter them and just write finish release and that's what I did um which was cathartic as fuck it really was. It really, honestly, I should do it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should, do it. I should do it like once a year to keep myself sane. Um, because we were, we were supposed to release a different, a different song this summer. We were supposed to release uh, Swallow, which we had, which we played with uh, mm-hmm. when we did, when we did our, when we uh, took all your internet hate and turned yeah. it into uh, to hate lemonade. Um, yeah. Uh, so Swallow was what we were supposed to release. The full studio version of that was supposed to be the next release. Like we'd recorded it. It's mixed. It's done. Um, and I was like in the process of gearing up for that. And I was like, well, everybody's stuck at home. 
I didn't know what content to make for it. I didn't feel inspired to make content for it. Um, I had no income. So I'm like, how can I justify this? And then I was like, oh, I feel like writing. And so I started writing. And then as I was writing, I was like, ooh, I have these other things that feel like they're connected to this that we didn't finish. Let me grab those and put some love and some work on those. And it turned into Your Fears Will Not Be Soothed, which is the, the EP. And uh, that statement also being the ultimate uh, mindset of this lockdown period, which is your fears will not be soothed. And, uh, but what we can do is uh, have a cathartic, way of of putting them all all into song form and then releasing them which is what i did it's, and thank you for doing that because it's it's so good it's no I, so good. i'm really happy with it i'm really happy with it and it really allowed me to inform uh what else i can do going forward like i can still keep doing this the sound of the full band but then i can also say fuck it i've got these ideas in my head which are different from that let me just do it and release it um I mean, it was six weeks. It was six weeks. That's the quickest I've ever completed a project where I was like, and not like let myself swim in the self-doubt of it. Just like the, the, the absolute bullshit bravado of like, this is good. I'm going to put it out. (laughs) (laughs) But it was because I felt so connected to it. Like, and I still do. And I still do. Um, It is emotionally difficult for me to listen to because it's very honest, but at the same time, I keep listening to it. And, um, and that's uh, there's a there's there's uh, there's a there's a therapy in that, um, and it's just it's something different. It's something different. It's more chilled. It's more lo-fi. Um, it feels more intimate than anything we've released before. And uh, part of that is because it is, and it's and it's honesty uh, during a time of global panic and quarantine. And it's like, okay, let me have a conversation with myself about who am I and what do I feel? Not what do I want, but what do I feel at this time? And that's, uh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Thank you. That's so beautiful. And I feel like I could, I have, I have at least 500 more questions that I want to ask you and talk to you about, but I think that's because you're amazing and you're a good friend and that doesn't necessarily mean that this should be a 10 hour podcast. Even though I would enjoy that very much. You're amazing and you're a good friend and I love you very much. I miss you. you. I love you. And I'd like to like get out of lockdown and say hi. Um, Yeah. One of your amazing hugs. Yes. I'd like to plug your hugs. Toby's a very good hugger for those of you that haven't experienced it. Don't don't tell them that. I'm telling you. Then they're all going to I'm not saying to approach her and ask for one. Um, (laughs) It's for privileged privileged only. It's definitely a privilege. Speaking of privilege, I'm in a privileged position to get hugs from Sophie when I see her. You may not be. For the few of you that are, let's uh, let's put a let's put like a some form of of support group together since we haven't been able to get them lately. Like we can all sit in a Zoom and talk to each other about how we miss hugging Sophie because I do. I'll I'll, um, I'll put you all in a WhatsApp group. Lovely. Oh no 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 more WhatsApp groups, please no. please especially. Listen, if anything has worn down on me while I've been stuck at home, it's been the WhatsApp groups where I'm like, I'm silencing all of these. Those notifications are off, off, Mm -hmm. off, 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 off. I've started doing it. Zoom meetings is my worst thing, but I've started making sure that I'm the person to start the Zoom meeting because then I can end it. So I'll do a thing at the, because I think people don't know how to end meetings in general, but especially Zoom meetings. So it's just a bunch of people going, 
yeah so that was what what are you all going to do today and then oh, it just no. keeps going so i've reached a point where i go anyway thank you so so much oh it's so good and then i just shut it down mid-sentence and no one gets to say anything that's beautiful and then I'm, they forget about I'm, it till next time that i've just crashed their meeting <laughs> <laughs> i like that though i like that um i like that level of control fury yeah i've never i haven't hosted a single zoom meeting i've always gone into someone else's but i've also i'm also very good i'm very good at being like okay this is done great i'm gonna go bye guys like i'm i'm not that's that's true i'm very comfortable with a dip i'm very comfortable yeah they can just stew in their own little (laughs) their own misery (laughs) okay so (laughs) we're running over i want to because i've I've asked you the the final baby question a few times so i want to try because of the time we're in I want to try a different question okay. for the end of this. And then in the next one you do, because let's okay. be honest, you'll do another one. Um, I'll ask you the baby question again to see if it's changed. But if you could ask, so you're almost 40. So let's say 80-year-old you. Mm-hmm. Ooh, if you could right. ask 80-year-old you, <laughs> you, do, you, in this scenario, you do. Also, babies can't. Like there's not no real rational logic <laughs> science behind these <laughs> questions. So, eighty-year-old Trevor, mm-hmm. you get you get let's say three questions. What would you ask, teeny tiny, eighty-year-old Trevor? So me now asking you now asking eighty-year-old Trevor. Ooh. Oh, oh. I mean. My impulse is to go the back to the future route and be old Biff traveling back to give the sports almanac to young Biff so that he can then become a millionaire casino owner. Okay, know, so, I, so, I'm gonna, so I'm going <laughs> to add a thing. The, the... <laughs> I'll, I'll add a little caveat because I can see the problem with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this question. You will have an hour, say you have it like an hour with him of 10 minutes, whatever, it doesn't matter. But once you're back into now, you don't remember any of it. Shit. Okay. So you can't change. I don't anything. remember any of it. No, I don't remember any of it. That's even. No. That's, that's. So you can't change anything. At the same time, because you're but, right back to that. It's like it's just happened, and you don't even know what happened. But you know that for an hour, you felt some. You felt whatever you will feel when you when he answered the question. So that you, I can at least get whatever satisfaction I need for that hour. Yes. But I know I'm not going to get to keep that. But at least I can attain it for yes that moment in time. Okay, I definitely then. Because I would have said, I would have said, I don't want to know anything. Then, if mm. I'm going to hold on to the information, I yeah. don't want to know anything. I don't. Yeah, I think because the idea of coming wanna... back with the next forty years, any knowledge that's happening mm. in the next forty years, um, would be damning. Because then you, you do one of two things: you either enact it accidentally, or you destroy it by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's lots um, of time travel issues in this. <laughs> which I love. Which is my time travel. Time travel stories are my jams. So I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I literally, I literally on Father's Day watched all three Back to the Future movies in in order. I watched one, two, three, like bam, 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 and showed them to my kids, and they're both they both loved them. And I was oh, like, here good. you go. This is something I was obsessed with at the time. I hope you're obsessed with it as well. They loved it. So I'm like. Already a massive Back to the Future fan, but like it's all very fresh in my head right now. Yeah, I can see this is a very okay. triggering question for you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you could see, I know, the, I know the people at home can't see. So there is on the ground that floor mat back there yeah. is the uh, the hoverboard from Back to the Future too. Oh, and then up on my desk, I have both the Doc Doc Brown and Marty McFly uh, 
Funko Pops that are both present there. And they're so like all of that's there. So like back to the I really stumbled, I really stumbled into something that was that listen, you weren't ready for what you opened up. But but I digress. So I would want to know, uh, since I'm I, I'll hold on to this information for the hour, then I it slips out of my mind as I slip back into my current uh timeline. Mm. Um I would want to know. Uh I would want to know if uh how my kids turned out. Three questions, correct? Yeah. I would want to know how my kids turned out. I'd want him to to talk me through that and talk me through who they are, who they are. Um I would want to know how my parents' lives ended and talk through that. Um and I would I would I would want to know uh who who tried to piece piece the United States government back together after Donald Trump's presidency? Like genuinely, okay, those would be the three things. Like, who has oh. to step in after that and and piece it back together? Because it's so fractured and such a mess currently. And I'm not even saying like whether whether Biden wins <laughs> or not, which whether Biden wins or not, yeah. um, which honestly I think is going to come down to who his running mate is, but. I don't want to go too deep into that again. It's just, it's oh, yeah, that's a whole thing. That's a whole other thing. But uh, I want to know what the rebuild looks like post-Trump. What the fuck do you do now? Here's a very short <laughs> follow-up question. If you were 80-year-old you and now you came mm-hmm. and asked those three questions, if any of the answers were not positive would you lie do i know that he's gonna forget yes then yeah i tell him the truth oh yeah okay yeah i tell him the truth even though you then have to spend 50 minutes with him crying yeah okay but i mean like it's with me like yeah that's true you are the best person here's the question here's the question if 80 year old me and 40 year old me made out a little bit Yeah. Is that not is that not technically <laughs> masturbation? If a tree falls in a forest, <laughs> but no one an is eighty there, year old me and forty year old me are there and they see it. Yeah. <laughs> is it illegal? Like, but is it also incest? Uh, these are legitimate questions. It's, these it's, are legitimate questions. Again, I, don't I was have not the ready for any of the any of the. F- consequences for this question I have, thought it this through. is my favorite question of all time like <laughs> i love this i love all the windows that this opens i love the realm of possibilities that we've ventured into which i don't think you anticipated and <laughs> i definitely didn't <laughs> but here we are i tried to make it like a fun little <laughs> and now you've shook my world okay <laughs> i am going to ask you now to plug your stuff Plug, uh, say the name of your album again, where people can find it, your social media, all of that. Uh, okay. Um, definitely check out Neighborhood Goliath. Neighborhood Goliath. Check us out on Spotify. Um, we're on Apple Music as well, of course. Um, but uh, I prefer the Spotify streams because if I'm perfectly honest, I'm hardcore trying to get us above, uh, trying to get our plays above a thousand. So currently we've only had one song that's ever gone past a thousand plays on Spotify. And that was The Current, which was 
uh, single we released three and a half, four years ago. Um, so I would love to get a bunch of songs above a thousand plays. Uh, so Neighborhood Goliath, there's no you in it because I'm from the, I'm from the U.S. So we <laughs> yeah, don't I was about to say the word neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Neighborhood Goliath. Um, please follow us on Instagram at Neighbor Goliath. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Astonishing Trev. Um, and just be good to each other. Like, I don't have much to plug right now because ain't shit going on. But follow me on social media. I've been real quiet on social media besides any Black Lives Matter stuff as of late, um, which will probably continue for a bit. Uh, but at some point, I'll go back to, to posting uh, uh, slice of life and, and uh, things that make me giggle as well. It just hasn't been that time as of late. But please follow me on social media. Definitely check out the band, the band, the band. Um, and we, like I said, Your Fears Will Not Be Soothed, the new EP released May 15th. 2020 um and we're we're oh 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 we're filming a music video for swallow <gasps> with a social a socially distant music video now i can't <gasps> say much more than that but we're filming it in july and i'm i'm really excited for it that like, sounds so cool i so have like a, we'll hopefully oh release in like august or september but like That's we will so film cool. in july we'll film a socially distanced music video that is wow Something I'm very excited for because it pulls in uh, another passion of mine from when I was a child. I was not only obsessed with Back to the Future as a child, but I was Drones. obsessed with something else. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there was something else I was obsessed with. I don't want to say it. I'll say it to you once we finish. But I'm trying I to guess to it now. I don't think that we don't have time for me oh, to yeah, guess, it. Gonna, <laughs> guess it. But it's something else Hoverboards. I was obsessed with. Oh, that'd be f- oh, that's a good idea. Animation. No, I wish it's too expensive. Oh, those Stop. big um, bubbles that you can put yourself into, Ham- like, like like hamster wheels, but like it's a bubble. Like Jake Gyllenhaal and Bubble Boy. Yeah, sure. Or or John Travolta <laughs> and the man of and man in the plastic bubble. Although his you wasn't actually never, round. You have never said. You have never told me a reference that I understood. <laughs> <laughs> You've, we've never watched the same film. <laughs> Well, Bubble Boy, Bubble Boy, you can add your list. Maybe don't add uh, the boy in the plastic bubble because that one's not great. But it's oh. very young John. Travolta. How many films are there? <laughs> At least that two. A common theme. At least two. Hey, if you can think of another film, free with your music two, videos. <laughs> well, I wish, but that's not what I want to do. If you can think of another, listeners at home, if you can think of another uh, film, another movie where someone is in a plastic bubble for the movie, please tweet that. Truman Show. In In a way, way, in a way. It's a half half bubble. I love that. And it's not plastic, but I love it too, but we don't have time. I have marinated meat in my fridge. (laughs) (laughs) You know what they say about marinated meat? It cannot stand there for that long. No, no. (laughs) Don't let it marinate too long. You get too much flavor. That's the most intimacy I've had for 105 days. Was <laughs> you just saying that? Okay, I'm gonna wait till do- <laughs> you eat it. The meat, gonna- the meat, the meat. I was about to do the thing that I do in Zoom meetings where I just end admit sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I will do that, but with the recording. Uh, bye, bye, Trevor. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I love you. Love you. I highly recommend that you go and have a listen to Neighborhood Goliath. The EP called Mess really hit me. 
Oh, it was so good. It it made me very feel very emotional. So Trevor is, he's just a darling. So go and listen to him, find him on social media. Thank him for doing the episode. Thank him for being my friend because I'm really grateful. I will, because this has already been the longest episode in the world, I'm now just going to say the names of the people who are patrons because I love you so much. These are the people who are uh, either in the VIP section, that that tier on Patreon, or it's people who are in the contrary quirky type tier which are people giving a weird amount so uh, i think it's six dollars and 82 cent uh or it's people who are um uh what it was there's one called the rich people which is if you want to give 30 dollars or more per episode which is not you know not necessary uh this is an if any millionaires were listening why not so I'm, the thing is, something has happened on Patreon where it's no longer giving me the names alphabetically. So I might be a bit out of my rhythm. And also, I have no idea who wins the name game of how many of the same name is there. So I'm not, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to do. I hope that changes back at some point because I'm very confused. So I'm not, I'm not just going to say a massive thank you to the amazing people who are patrons, who uh part of the vip section who give more uh who give five dollars or more per episode so thank you so much to these following people kathy draxelbauer bethany dahlstrom simon james carly weston phil scordis dan rushton zoe stephenson lindsay bushniak bushniak georgia jen boyle rowan pierce bamboo bandit christine with a y Catherine norton galway cass sophia ramsey aretha emma Parangi, helen Jarina, Dieter Bornberg Jensen, Helen Jermak, Hihi, Anna Marie Hepburn, Katrina Pillersen, Holly Ritchie, Hannah Paul Smith, Danielle Johnson, Felicitations, mm, that's a nice word, E, Kirsten E, Nicola Ellison, Samantha Gioli, Victoria Layton, oh hi Victoria Layton, uh, Laura Ingman, uh, Rachel Ray England, uh, Catherine Williams, Emily Pindy, Liz Cassell, Gillian Davidson, Rianne Rivers, uh, Chrissy Nicholson, Grace Ann, Maeve Hulian, Victoria Greer, M Dash, Andrew January, uh, Cherry Windsor, Kathleen Gulmanson, Hannah Rose Tristram, Megan Roberts, Evelyn Evenheim, Caitlin Olsen, Blue Sky, Fenella Dunn, Privacy, Osaurus, Aurora, Teratops, Perry Nelson, Andrea Papillon, Anya Knoblog, Pierre Finne, Lola Phoenix, Rachel Phillips, Lillian Harry French, Hungered in the Bunga, Paul Swaddle, uh, Kat Posse, Sarah Ellett, Ragdoll, Perpetual Motion, Harry Minot, Susie Tyler, Kirsten Davidson, Maury Fraser, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kappas, Sarah Plumer, Robert Knowles, Joe C, Danny Beckett, Harold Van Dyke, L, Daniel Reifersheed, Rachel Furley, and Andy Walker. I feel like this is the um, order that they used to be in, because I feel like I got into some rhythms every once in a while, because I'm used to saying names in that order. Isn't this fascinating? <laughs> Okay, so thank you so much to all of you for supporting. Uh, and in general, just thank you to everyone for supporting. It is uh, it sounds wanky, but it's an honor and a privilege to um, to be able to do this podcast. I love you all very, very much. Here's to 200 more episodes. Okay, thank you to the hero above them all, Dave Pickering, for editing this episode. And all, all of them, really. Thank you to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle. And to Justine McNichol for the logo. This podcast was produced by Dying Alone Limited. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Oh, pie.